Now, Backyard Millionaire. How to create wealth where you are with what you've got. Here's your host, Chris Story. I am a realtor. I pledge myself to strive to be honorable and abide by the golden rule. I pledge myself to strive to serve well my community and through it, my country. I pledge myself to abide by the Realtor's Code of Ethics to strive to conform my conduct to its aspirational ideals. I pledge myself to act honestly in all real estate dealings. I pledge myself to protect the individual right of real estate ownership and to widen the opportunity to enjoy it. I pledge myself to seek better to represent my clients by building my knowledge and competence. I I'm a realtor. On a gathering storm comes a tall, handsome man in a dusty black coat with a red right hand. Before Christmas, he lived all alone in a one-bedroom house made of plaster and stone. I had come down the chimney with presents to give and to see just who in this dwelling did live. I looked all around, a strange sight to see. No tinsel, no presents, not even a tree. No stockings on the mantel, just boots filled with sand. On the wall hung pictures of far distant lands. Medals and badges, awards of every kind. A sobering thought came alive in my mind. This house was different. It was dark, it was dreary. I had found the home of a soldier. I could see that most clearly. The soldier lay sleeping, silent, alone, curled up on the floor in this one-bedroom home. His face was so gentle, the room in such disorder, not at all how I pictured a United States soldier. Was this the hero of whom I just read, curled up on a poncho, the floor for a bed. Then I realized the other families that I saw this night owed their lives to soldiers who were willing to fight. In the morning round the world, children would play. Grown-ups would celebrate a bright Christmas day. But they all enjoy freedom each month of the year because of soldiers like the one lying here. I couldn't help but wonder 
How many lay alone on a cold Christmas Eve in lands far from home? The very thought put a tear to my eye. I dropped to my knees and I started to cry. The soldier awakened. I heard his rough voice. Santa, don't cry. This life is my choice. I fight for freedom. I don't ask for more. My life is my God, my country, my core. The soldier rolled over and drifted to sleep. But I couldn't control it and I continued to weep. I kept watch for hours. So silent and still as both of us shivered from the cold night's chill. I didn't want to leave him on that cold, dark night, this guardian of honor so willing to fight. Then the soldier rolled over with a voice soft and pure. He whispered, Carry on, Santa. It's Christmas Day. All's secure. One look at my watch, I knew he was right. Merry Christmas, my friend. May God bless you this night. You're listening to The Backyard Millionaire. I'm Christopher Story. This is a show about how to make wealth and gain the life you want where you are with what you've got. It could be wealth. It could be health. It could be happiness. It could be relationships. The motto of the show is how to create wealth where you are with what you've got. But, but really, wealth is a stand-in. It's a substitute for whatever it is you want. It might be health. It might be a million dollars net worth. It might be a certain amount of cash flow. Or it may just be who you want to become in the process. I love that night before Veterans Christmas. I just, I, I just look forward to this day where you and I get to listen to that again and it's been a year since we heard it, at least since I've heard it, and a year since I've played it. And I want to dedicate this program to uh, a gentleman I met this morning by the name of Jason, who fought for our country for five long years. He's a great American. He's a great Alaskan. And uh, I just wish you, Jason, and your family a Merry Christmas, and thank you for your service. We appreciate you very much. The man I'm talking about was not a Scrooge now. He was a kind, a decent, a mostly good man, generous to his family and upright in his dealings with other men, but he just did not believe in all of that incarnation stuff which the churches proclaim at Christmas time. It just did not make sense, and he was too honest to pretend otherwise. He could not swallow the Jesus story about God coming to earth as a man. He told his wife, I'm truly sorry to distress you, but I'm just not going with you to church this Christmas Eve. He said he'd feel like a hypocrite, that he'd much rather just stay home, but that he would wait up for them. So he stayed, and they went to the midnight service. Now, shortly after the family drove away in the car, snow began to fall. He went to the window to watch the flurries getting heavier and heavier. Then he went back to his fireside chair, began to read his newspaper. Minutes later, he was startled by a thudding sound, and then another, then yet another. At first he thought somebody must be throwing snowballs against the living room window. But when he went to the front door to investigate, he found a flock of birds huddled out there miserably in the snow. They had been caught in the storm, 
In a desperate search for shelter, they had tried to fly through his large landscape window. That was what had been making the sound. Well, he couldn't let those poor creatures just lie there and freeze. So he remembered the barn where his children stabled their pony. That would provide a warm shelter. All he would have to do is direct the birds into that shelter. Quickly, he put on a coat and galoshes, and he tramped through the deepening snow to the barn, and he opened the doors wide. And inside the barn, he turned on a light so the birds would know the way in. But the birds did not come in. So he figured that food would entice them. He went back into the house and fetched some breadcrumbs and sprinkled those on the snow, making a trail of breadcrumbs to the yellow-lighted, wide-open doorway of the stable. But to his dismay, the birds ignored the breadcrumbs. The birds just continued to flop around helplessly in the snow. He tried catching them. He could not. He tried shooing them into the barn by walking around them, waving his arms, but instead they scattered in every direction, every direction except into the warm-lighted barn. And that's when he realized that they were afraid of him. They were afraid of him. To him he reasoned, I'm a strange, terrifying creature. If only I could think of some way to let them know that they can trust me, that I'm not trying to hurt them but to help them. But how? Any move he made tended to frighten them and confuse them. They just would not follow. They would not be led or shooed because they feared him. And he thought to himself, if only I could be a bird now, if I could be a bird and mingle with them, and speak their language, and tell them not to be afraid, then I could show them the way to the safe, warm barn. But I would have to be one of them, wouldn't I? So they could see and hear and understand. At that moment, the church bells began to ring. The sound reached his ears. Above the sounds of the wind. And he stood there listening to the bells. Adeste Fidelis. Listening to the bells. Pealing the glad tidings of Christmas. And he sank to his knees in the snow. Paul Harvey, I hope for you and those you love, this will be a wonderfully Merry Christmas. Listening to the Backyard Millionaire, what Christmas would it be without a little Paul Harvey for you and me? Also, Jeff informs me that today is, in fact, 
Hobo Jim Day. So when we return, we'll continue with times like these, living in the Biden years, to own or to rent, plus a very special song by the living legend himself, Hobo Jim. We'll be right back. Stick around. You're listening to the Backyard Millionaire Christopher Story here along with Mr. David Becker bringing you what my mom calls the greatest show on earth. It is Hobo Jim Day. You could say a lot about what a governor does, doesn't do, the economy, balancing of budgets, etc. But one great thing that Mike Dunleavy, Governor Mike Dunleavy did was recognize the genius of Hobo Jim and he declared December 21st Winter Solstice Day shall henceforth be known as Hobo Jim Day. Now, Jeff had asked for fishing for chickens. I don't have fishing for chickens, Jeff, on file. However, if you'll bear with me, I have one of his greatest songs, and he dedicated the entirety of the proceeds to this song, which I believe is a world-class, amazing, beautiful song that should be uh, downloaded around the world. And when it is... Those funds go to Alzheimer's research. You know you mean the world to me. I love you from the start. When my head's up in the clouds, you're still in my heart. And I may forget a thing or two Like where I leave my shoes Promise now you forgive somehow If I ever forget you You know you mean the world to me You stood right by my side And we shared so many memories How we've laughed and cried and I can't believe they'd fade away I guess sometimes they do Promise now you forgive somehow If I ever forget you If I sit and stare in silence In a world all of my own Will you sit beside me And let me know I'm not alone Cause you know you mean the world to me you're always on my mind And I'll love you for eternity Even if someday you find That my words say I remember My eyes tell you the truth Promise now you forgive somehow If I ever forget you Promise now you forgive somehow If I ever forget you Hope I never forget you. Isn't that a beautiful tune? Hobo Jim, Alaska's Balladeer. Today is, in fact, Hobo Jim Day. Maybe howl at the wolves once more for the great Hobo Jim. And thank you to Jeff Algamo for reminding us of this, this day and to be able to remember our good friend, Hobo Jim. During the Biden years, it's been said, even the Joneses, that's right, even the Joneses are having a hard time keeping up with themselves. 
One of the better pieces of music that uh, was delivered out of the 80s, a little culture club. <laughs> it's not the greatest music in the world, but it's pretty good, um, all things considered. Oh, man. Well, I've been eavesdropping on a lot of conversations, or overhearing conversations, which is it? Both, actually, in fact. I've been eavesdropping on conversations and overhearing conversations about whether to own or to rent. Is this the time to own or to rent? In fact, I just heard a pretty high-level conversation on the Pat Bet David show the other day relative to this topic. Charlie Kirk was a guest, and a couple of the other panelists in that conversation were talking about, oh, man, it just makes so much more sense to rent. It's just, you know, just don't do it. Just don't buy right now. You know, really think about just renting, and you're going to be money ahead. And they, they give all kinds of things, all kinds of reasons as to why that, that, that owning a home should, should no longer be looked at as the American dream. But the reality is owning a home isn't the American dream, never has been. It's the fundamental right to own a home, the right of home ownership, not to remain by decree a serf of a feudal lord that you can own your own land. You're a sovereign individual. You have the right to own property, period. You have a right to home ownership, not a right to a home. You've got the freedom to own land, one home or a hundred homes, however many you want. Now, the backyard millionaire formula is, as you know, a four-home formula, but there's a great deal of discussion these days about even the future of real estate. Now, I'm going to go over, we're going to have a, a funeral actually for real estate here in a little bit. Um, but just remember, and this is the point that I wanted to make, and if I could have entered myself into that conversation, I would have said, well, hold on, gentlemen. Maybe now is not the right time for you to buy, or maybe it's not the right time for you to buy, but it's always the right time to be looking. Homeownership isn't going anywhere. However, this may not be the season for you to own. This may not be the season for you to acquire. We've seen recently where... Warren Buffett had liquidated quite a bit of his stock holdings, what, 26, 28 billion, something to that effect, to have cash on hand. Why? Well, if you follow Warren's line of thinking, you'd have to come to the conclusion that he anticipates having cash on hand is going to allow him to pick up some bargains. He's going to be able to buy low and then hold. That's that's his routine. So maybe today isn't the day that you purchase a property. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't, but that's for you to decide. And to, to just please don't buy into the rationale that the American dream is dead as a result of high prices, high interest rate, high demand, low, low inventory, things like that. That's not the reality. The reality is maybe, maybe this isn't your time to purchase today but I want you to know what your credit score is and be working on it. I want you to be aware of and have a fingertip feel, meaning you've got a very masterful sense over your own market. And that, that could be as small as a block 
It could be as small as just a large neighborhood, an area in your community, or your whole town, or the entire, say, peninsula here, our borough, or county, wherever you're listening. See, there's an agenda out there, and I'm worried about it. Guy texted, I was going to say called in, but I believe it was a text message about 12, maybe 13, 14 years ago, somewhere in that neighborhood. And he said these words, and I, I can remember them to this day, and it, it, they didn't put a chill down my spine that day. But thinking back to those words, hair on the back of my neck stands up and, and I get a chill down my spine. He said, Chris, we're headed towards a civil war. And now I kind of thought maybe he was a representative of Procter & Gamble or whoever own, owns the Reynolds tinfoil. And I just assumed, okay, you know, I placated him. I was nice enough. I wasn't critical and didn't mock him on air, none of that kind of stuff. I was just like, mm-hmm, thank you. Much to see nothing here. And yet today, if you look around, now back then also, I was starting to just flirt with this idea people were bringing at me, bringing to me, and it was coming at me in a lot of different ways, Agenda 21, the United Nations Agenda 21, signed on to even by George Herbert Walker Bush in Rio de Janeiro. And it was a top-down, bottom-up, communitarian agenda, a one-world agenda, which at the time, again, sounded very conspiratorial, sounded very far-fetched. And then the more I started looking into it, the more books I read about it, and the more I actually studied it, realized, oh, this is happening. It already is happening. And guess what happened in 2021? Top-down, bottom-up. That approach is now being put towards you'll own nothing and be happy. 15-minute cities are going to become a reality. Smart cities in 15-minute cities. You don't need a vehicle. Don't worry about it. You don't need to travel outside of your community. We've got everything you need. You need a vehicle. You need to travel. Sure, we'll continue to travel. <laughs> but we, the, the work we do is important. We've got to get over there to Buenos Aires. We've got to get to The Hague. I mean, we've got to. And I can't share a plane with these filthy people. So there'll be people traveling. Will that be you? I want for you and I to own our block. I want, to, I want you to own as much of your own community as you possibly can. I want you to know that if this isn't your time, fine, be looking. Apply Dolph DeRoof's formula of 110-3-1. You'll look at 100 properties maybe. You'll get really close to 10, get due diligence going on three, and acquire one. That is absolutely a phenomenal way to look at this and say, I'm not going to live in a cell block. I want to own more of my block. I don't want for just three meals in a cot, three hots in a cot. I, I don't want to, I don't want just a certain guarantee and certainty because you're not going to get it. I believe in the American dream and I know you do too. And that American dream is about freedom, freedom to choose your own personal destiny. That's what's at stake here. You get to choose it. Let it not be chosen for you. You don't want somebody in a far off distant land making decisions for you. You want to be making these decisions. You want the American dream will only die if we go to sleep. If you go to sleep on it, the American dream will die. The American dream lives in every single one of us. So if you own today or rent to every turn and time, there is a season. Just don't let go of that right to own ever. To everything, turn, 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 there is a season, turn, turn. Yes, he may have been a beatnik, but Pete had it right. To everything, there is a season, yes? 
He was he was quoting some good words there, put to music. You're listening to the Backyard Millionaire Christopher Story here. I've got a lot to share. Coming up, we're going to go into times like these and have a bit of a funeral procession, if you will, courtesy of real estate and what's been said of real estate over the years. It's um, it's maybe a sad day. Maybe a sad day for real estate. I know I won't be home to help you Decorate the Christmas tree You're listening to The Backyard Millionaire, how to create wealth where you are with what you've got. This is my bookstore, ilovehomeralaska.com forward slash books, books, ilovehomeralaska.com forward slash books. Coming up, times like these and a funeral for real estate. When we return, stick around. You're listening to The Backyard Millionaire, how to create wealth where you are with what you've got. I'm Chris Story. Mr. David Becker's up there at the mothership of KPEN and KGTL, spinning the tunes and producing and engineering the broadcast. Thank you so much, Dave. And thank you to Horizon Wireless, 226-3130. Horizon Wireless, 226-3130 on the peninsula. Call and find out what we did, which is they've got the best and most reliable service and they're affordable, not just affordable, they're locally owned, great family-operated business, Horizon Wireless. Call today, 226-3130. An old adage says, by the time you acquire a nest egg, inflation will have turned it into chicken feed. That's a little bit negative, a little pessimistic, but boy, haven't it, it's interesting to me that we haven't really as a nation had a big old conversation about inflation for a long time up until 2020 and uh, late 2020 and 21, we start talking a lot about inflation, be it transitory, which what is that even, please? That was such a, a farce being sold to the American people. It's just transitory. It's like I'm slapping you on the face, but don't worry, it's transitory. It won't last forever. It's gonna feel like it did. But here's the beautiful part, and you, you could have guessed this is where I'm going. Real estate is inflation proof. So if you own real estate, guess what happens? When the tide rises, so does your net worth. But not just your net worth, because you can't eat your net worth until you liquidate it. So what happens with real estate is it can generate cash flow, tax advantages. And then, of course, yes, you gain appreciation through time, and your net worth becomes more valuable. And you could borrow against it if you want to. That's the beauty of it. We've talked for many years here that the the, the sacred cow what are you gonna do with a, a sow well with a pig you've got to slaughter it to enjoy the bacon but with a cow you can milk that cow for a very long time you can work the cow and then eventually if you choose you can slaughter and eat the cow that's what real estate is real estate is the sacred cow versus the sacrificial sow of stock market or bonds things of this nature they don't do you any good until you liquidate that's right. That's why we love real estate. Now, here's another thing. There's two types of people, it's been said. Those who know more than they tell and those who tell more 
than they know. Guess the question would be, which are you? Well, we've come to a time where we're gathered here together today to mourn real estate. It has been said that real estate is its over. It's at its moment, and it's over. In fact, I want to read a couple of headlines, if I can, to eulogize real estate and send it off on its merry way. This is a quote from December 1st, my birthday, by the way, 1947, not my birth year. The prices of houses seem to have reached a plateau, and there is reasonable expectancy that prices will decline from here on. That was Time Magazine, 1947. Here's one from 1948 Science Digest. Houses cost too much for the mass market. Today's average price is around $8,000, out of reach for two-thirds of all Americans. Science Digest, that was April 1948, the day real estate died. Here's another one from 1948, House Beautiful said, if you've bought your home since the war, you've made your deal at the top of market. These days when you couldn't lose, those days when you couldn't lose on a house purchase, well, those are no longer, no longer with us. It's 1948, November. How about we fast forward to Business Week, a trustworthy rag, yes, Business Week. September 4th, 1969 death of real estate. The goal of owning a home seems to be getting beyond the reach of more and more Americans. A typical new house today costs $28,000. It's over. It's absolutely over. NEA Journal, December 1970. Be suspicious was the quote. Be suspicious of the common wisdom that tells you to buy now because continuing inflation will force home prices and rents higher and higher. Be suspicious of this says the N-E-A. Oh, there's more. We could go on, but I don't want to upset you too much here this close to Christmas. But here's another one. This from Money Magazine, 1985. The golden age of risk-free run-ups and home prices is gone. Those days will not be back. That's horrific. It's just awful. Awful, I tell you. Here's another one. This is great from the San Francisco, the San Francisco Examiner said, a home is where the bad investment lives. Oh, bingo. Bingo, bongo. You put a nail in the coffin of real estate you have, San Francisco Examiner. Thank you so very much. Now, in fact, the reality is real estate is a market that goes up and down, but continually climbs a little higher and a little higher. Do you remember on The Price is Right, the little yodeling Swiss man that would climb the mountain and he's just constantly going a little bit higher, a little bit at a time. Eventually, he fell off of a cliff, but guess what happens then? We recover and we rebound.
Indeed, Kid Rock. Indeed, it's times like these. Going back to Paul Harvey for just a moment, he said, the thing about times like these is there have always been times like these. Always will be. People will always tell you, don't invest. This is a bad time. You know, my uncle used to own a triplex and, uh, well, somebody clogged the toilet. Another person didn't pay their rent. Somebody lit a cigarette on the couch. Eh, don't listen to those stories. Learn from other people's mistakes. Read the right books. In fact, one of the right books may I recommend is called The Backyard Millionaire, How to Create Wealth Where You Are with What You've Got. It's a fantastic parable. I just received an incredible verbal testimony. The gentleman came to me to tell me his testimony about the book and what it meant to him. And I, I wish I could share it. I can't. It's not my story to tell. But I will just tell you, it, it, it made the hours and hours of work that I put into that book. Just that one, that one testimony, that, that one guy. I, I love this book. I have a real passion for this book. I don't care how you get your hands on it. Um, I, didn't, I didn't write it for the money. I take the money. I didn't write it for the money. It's, I just hope you get your hands on it. It's called The Backyard Millionaire, How to Create Wealth Where You Are with what you've got. Speaking of tough times. You take this orange and you squeeze it as hard as you can squeeze it. And you ask yourself, what will come out? And what comes out when you squeeze an orange? Orange juice. Never, no matter how many times you squeeze it, will apple juice come out. And the next question is why? Why when you squeeze an orange as hard as you can squeeze it, does orange juice come out? The reason that orange juice comes out when you squeeze it is because that's what's inside. Now you extend the metaphor and someone squeezes you. That is, someone says something about you that you don't like. Someone behaves towards you in a way that you find offensive. And out of you, comes anger, hatred, bitterness, tension, fear, anxiety, stress. And immediately you say, the reason that comes out of me is because of how he said it or the way that she said that or because they did that. But the truth is, the reality is that what comes out is what's inside. And if you don't like what's inside, you can change it. Got a package full of wishes, a time machine, a magic wand, a globe made out of gold. No instructions or commandments Laws of gravity or indecisions to uphold Printed on the box I see Acme's build a world to be Take a chance, grab a piece Help me to believe it What kind of world do you want? Think it is You're listening to The Backyard Millionaire, How to Create Wealth, Where You Are with What You've Got. I've been re-listening with Tallulah, our puppy. She is now, I forget how many, we've had her for three weeks. Little Tallulah, she's a King Charles Cavalier Spaniel. When And I've said it before, but I'll say it again. Try to stop me. When God said, let there be dog, he envisioned a King Charles Cavalier Spaniel. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, I know. somebody was telling me the other day about their um, their particular breed, and I said breeds are kind of like brands. Once you once you've got one, you, you know, like and trust. You just stick with that brand. And King Charles Cavalier Spaniels are just absolutely amazing and wonderful. But here's the challenge with this little puppy: she's 
amazing. She likes it. Like this morning, she and I got up at four o'clock. And normally I'd, I'd go through my, you know, obviously, and I still did go through my gratitude prayer. I pray, I've got a whole list of people I'm praying for. Like you just found out another couple of days ago, a friend is, is battling something. And so I just go through this list and I go through my gratitude list and I, and I'm brewing the coffee and I usually have a, a stretching routine. And then I lead into uh, writing, go into the library with a beautiful hot cup of captain's coffee, fresh ground, and uh, just begin reading something positive, something amazing. I, I try not to to delve into anything that's you know sort of candy for the mind right away i like to i like to get the vegetables in pretty quick and i thrive on that but but tallula is just like a handful constantly in the morning she's just raring and ready to go which is you know puts us all on our toes and and even old reagan who's nine years old he's he's you know he's getting used to her but he's very much a he went from our little baby we always saw reagan as our baby until we got tallula and then Suddenly, Reagan, like a flip was a switch was flipped, and he became like this grumpy old man. He's like, nah, nah. he's constantly correcting her. And anyway, they're beginning to have a, a terrific bond and relationship. But that means Tallulah and I were together from four to six by ourselves in the library. And uh, what do I do? I was like, I can't really read while I'm holding the bull stick and and trying to balance coffee, the bully stick for her to chew on, and a book. I can't do it. So I've been listening to Jim Rohn, How to Live an Extraordinary Life. And what what an incredible, what an incredible man, what an incredible mind. I mean, he uses an incredible amount of biblical quotes, but he's the first to tell you, I'm not an expert on the Bible, but if he goes into it, launches into it. And he's famous for a lot of quotes, but this is one of my favorites. You become the average of the five people you hang around. You become the average of the five people you spend the most time with. That's a Jim Rohn quote. And it influenced, in, in my book, The Backyard Millionaire, there's two circles. There's a circle of proximity and a circle of choice. So you don't always get to to, to choose the people that are in your proximity, in your sphere at work. Um, you, don't, you don't always get to pick who's in your circle by proximity, but who's on your inner circle, that's purely by choice. Who do you let influence you? Who do you let in? Who, who do you show your soft underbelly to? Who are you being influenced by? That is purely by choice. That's what Oscar the Backyard Millionaire said. Choose the people that you'll allow to have influence by choice, not by proximity. You're listening to The Backyard Millionaire, how to create wealth where you are with what you've got. We've got a lot more to come. Stick around. We'll be right back. You're listening to The Backyard Millionaire, how to create wealth where you are with what you've got. Christopher Story here along with Mr. David Becker. Merry Christmas to you. Hope you have um, great plans set with your family. Hope you have a, a wonderful, wonderful time ahead i wanted to talk just a little bit about where did it go i just i ran across this quote where is it 
Ah, here it is. William James, who's often referred to as the father of modern psychology. Don't hold that against him. He said the deepest principle of human nature is the craving to be appreciated. The deepest principle of human nature is the craving to be appreciated. And it, it reminds me a little bit about a quote from Tony Robbins, who he's often quoted as saying that everyone wants to matter. I mean, like that's one of the deepest foundational, fundamental commonalities that we, you, me, every single human on earth has in common is, is we want to matter. You want to matter. And I think that's what William James is, is saying more eloquently. The deepest principle of human nature is the craving to be appreciated. So maybe the greatest gift you can give is appreciation, sincere appreciation. Now, see, flattery, you know, everybody, you can see through flattery. You know it. You know it and you reject it. Even if it makes you smile for a minute, also in the back of your mind, it hits hollow. You know it. You know when somebody's being sincere and you know what sincere appreciation feels like. So go give it. I've been held by the Savior. I felt fire from above. I've been down to that river. And I hate the same. A prodigal return Oh, my hope is in Jesus Thank God my yesterday's gone Oh, my sins are forgiven I told you I've been listening to Jim Rohn, How to Live an Extraordinary Life, a lot. I've got it on Audible and throwing the headset and Tallulah and I are in the, <laughs> the, the library, the Thought Dojo, enjoying a good cup of coffee and her a good chew. And I wrote down a few things in my journal this morning that I got from Jim Rohn that I said, you know, I'm going to share this with you. So there's just a few things that I got from Jim over the years, but today they really hit my ear. And, and I said to myself, self, I want to share these with you. So here they are. The first tip from Jim Rohn that I took away this morning is to work harder on yourself than you work on your job. It's, there's so much power in that. Work harder on yourself than you do on your job because you're going to become more. And that's the second tip. Become more valuable in the marketplace. Don't wish for more, wish you were more. Don't wish for a better economy, wish you could become better in this economy. And when you do, you'll become more valuable. Another thing I wrote down was provide more in use value than you take in cash value wherever you are. And, and this really comes going all the way back to Andrew Carnegie in about 1883. He said this, it was then quoted by Napoleon Hill in about 1912 and carried on through all of Napoleon's work. The laws of success, think and grow rich, the ladder to success, all the stuff he did with W. Clement Stone, everything Napoleon Hill did essentially had that in it. Provide more in use value than you take in cash value. And if you do, you cannot go wrong. Oh, my sins are forgiven. Oh, 
Crowder here on this pre-Christmas episode of the Backyard Millionaire. Love me some Crowder. Uh, listen to him a lot. Another thing Jim Rohn said, and I, I wrote this down. Ironically, I was in my library when I wrote this down, but he said, start a library. Jim Rohn is famous for saying that. Why should Andrew Carnegie have all the fun? Right? He started libraries across the country. Andrew Carnegie, by the way, said he wanted to spend the first half of his life accumulating wealth. And he said he wanted to spend the second half of his life giving it all away. And he did. Libraries crisscrossing the country was just part of it. So do you have a library? Even if, and Jim Rohn stated this emphatically, that even if it's a corner of a small room that you call and refer to your library and put a book in it, one will beget another and another, and before you know it, you'll have volume upon volume of good books, nutritious books for your mind. And, and I, I would say even if a board stretched over two cinder blocks could be your library. I remember I had this rickety um, white shelf. I can see it in my mind. And I called it my library. I took Jim Rohn at his word. I read four, four Seasons of Life. I, I read that and I said, I'm going to start a library. Had no business starting a library. I had a small place, didn't have room. I started one in a little tiny bookshelf. And then it expanded to what we called affectionately around our house, we called the Hutch of Knowledge. It was this beautiful kind of glass door fronted hutch, distressed wood. It was really cool. We still have it. In fact, we have it down here at Story Real Estate. It's the uh, it's our little uh, bookstore, if you will. We have all of my uh, The Watchmen, Born to Live, Backyard Millionaire, Making a Man, our, our uh, precious coins uh, we keep in there. And um, it's not precious metals to anybody else but you and me, so don't bother uh, thieves. Steer clear. There's, there's nothing there for you. It's not precious gold. They're precious to me and to people like you. But in that in that knowledge of uh, hutch of knowledge, I had you know I don't remember. I think I ended up getting like four hundred books in there. So when we moved into our new house, Tiffany surprised me and, and hired a, a craftsman, a beautiful craftsman, to build into the spare room, made it completely into a library. It's just wonderful. So it doesn't matter though if you have that room or if you have a board across two cinder blocks. Doesn't matter. And make sure that you include in your library, the richest man in Babylon, by George Clayson. Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl, Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki, The Backyard Millionaire by Chris Story. I can't, I can't resist. Um, Acres of Diamonds by Russell Conwell. Oh, that's such a good one. The Art of the Deal by, who, who wrote that? Art of the Deal. Look that up for me. Oh, that's right, Donald J. Trump. It's his first book. It's probably the best. Oh, I'm also just finished The Art of the Comeback. That's pretty good, too. Success Principles by Jack Canfield. The Greatest Salesman in the World by Og Mandino. Anything by Zig Ziglar. I don't care what you get your fingers on. If it says Zig Ziglar on the cover, get it. Put it in the library. I, I don't have everything he wrote, but probably 10. Eight or 10 books by Zig Ziglar. Love him. And then Born to Live by Chris Story. Finding Purpose on the Road to Hope. That is... It's the smallest book I've written. It was the first book I, I put out and published, but it, I'm telling you, that it's a little book with a big message. I love it. I just reread it uh, recently. It only takes about 45 minutes to read it, maybe an hour if you take a break, but it's a very short little book. And it, I got to tell you, I felt like it was what Ogbandino called the hand of God. Like I didn't write it. It just, I sat down and it was, it was as close to automatic writing as I've ever come. It just poured out. In fact, the story came to me 
you don't want to know this, but it came to me in the shower. I was taking a shower. I just like the whole story just like was in my mind and I sat down and just wrote as fast as I could. I love that little book. And then in your library, I hope you have James Allen's As a Man Thinketh. That is a phenomenal book and deserves a place in your library. I've heard about this baby boy who's come to earth to bring us joy. And I just want to sing this song to you. Because like this, the fourth, the fifth, the minor fall, the major lift. With every breath I'm singing Dr. David Cook wrote a little book called Greatness, and in it he said that there's these three foundational, fundamental keys of greatness to understand. The one is focus, the other one is passion, and then there's mental toughness. Where do you want to go? That's your focus. How bad do you want to get there? That's your passion. And do you have the mental skills needed to handle the adversity along the journey? That's mental toughness. And there will be I promise you there'll be adversity, but remember what Napoleon Hill said, with every adversity comes with it the seed of an equivalent or greater benefit. And if you only hold that in your mind as your backbone of your mental toughness, you'll stay focused and keep your passion alive. can't believe it's this time already it's time to start landing the plane put your tray tables and their locked positions in your seats in the full and upright locked position as well thank you for being here thank you for allowing me to be your your co-pilot i'm not the pilot i'm just a co-pilot you and i produce this program together because without you there is no show and i just want to say merry christmas and may god bless you your health your family in this country we'll see you next time